0: And we are happy and excited
1: to be with you again tonight for another episode of the Beers and Bible Podcast. This is going Um, to be a thrilling episode. There's several reasons, actually, why. Um, (laughs) We're not recording on our normal Thursday. Anthony had some work stuff going on last week, so we were actually recording Monday, and this episode is dropping Friday. That's right. This will be the closest we've ever recorded to, like, release day. I don't know. Back at the beginning, we were, like, same week that's true time. we were we we're like recording on tuesday or thursday and releasing it doesn't matter so um so there's that um we're kind of like we don't have notes tonight which is the first time in a it's been a while
0: it's gonna be a rabbit trail kind of night
1: that's okay rabbit trails are my favorite kind of trails
0: that's true they are i think dude so the other morning ah, uh, here we go <laughs> the other morning um I'm sitting in, so I get up early in the morning and I do my reading and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I hear this like chirping sound outside my window. I'm like, what in the world is that chirping sound? So I go out there and I look around. There's nothing out there. I don't see anything. So mm-hmm. I come back inside, hear it again. And it's just weird. It's not like a bird chirping. Mm-hmm. This is like an animal crying for help. Okay. okay. So I go back outside and I see my cat crouched down and like eyeballing something. So I walk over there to where it is looking, and it has a baby bunny pinned up against the house, and the baby bunny is, like, screaming for its life. It was pretty funny. (laughs) Did you help the bunny escape? Heck no, I didn't help the bunny escape. That bunny made his bed. He can get in it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) we see where Anthony's, I mean, never mind, it's cool. Um, To be fair, I did try to help him, and then he snapped at me, and I was like, you know what? You can deal with the cat, because he's a lot meaner than I am.
1: (laughs) Well, all right. I didn't have any of that. Um, (laughs) I haven't had any of those kind of things going on. At least part that that, that's I'm aware of. Um, Your pregnant wife hasn't been chasing bunnies around your house early in the morning. No, but I did have to clean up dog vomit this morning. Ooh, that might be worse. At like two in the morning, she you know she shakes me. Hey, the dog just threw up in the bathroom. So I had to to like. (laughs) I was like, well, and what was weird, I don't know if this is too gross, but here's where I'm going to go anyway. It wasn't, there wasn't a ton of liquid in it. It was like solid.
0: Oh, that's weird. But it was
1: definitely vomit.
0: Yeah, that's super weird. If you're still, if you're still
1: with us at this point, uh, we thank you for sticking out, sticking, sticking with us for past the three minute mark of the podcast this week. Episode 123 here. Yeah. Um so i mean that, let's do this how's your week been?
0: <laughs> <laughs> man it's only monday and i've had a fantastic week now it was a good week last week um i was out of town towards the end of the week so we had to kind of renegotiate recording this week but uh i am back i am back at work i'm back at home and it's busy time. The next like we were looking at it today, me and my wife were looking at it today, like the next two weeks for us is just gonna be insane. Um, so like our anniversary is Thursday, my daughter's birthday is Friday, my mom's birthday is Saturday, and then Easter is Sunday, and then we have like the next week is the last week of school. It's mm-hmm. just it is crazy times around our house right now. So that's we're just taking it one day at a time.
1: That's about like us, man. <laughs> uh we let's see. Our nieces First birthday is Saturday. Uh Then we have Easter Sunday, which is also my brother and his wife's wedding anniversary. We have a baby shower the following weekend. Um, We have my my other brother and his wife. They have a baby shower in a couple of weeks, and before that, like they have a wedding anniversary, and uh, there's another birthday and. We're also like I'm coaching T ball with my son right now and that's like a every Saturday thing and that kicks back up this week. So there's just a lot going on. And yes. On top of all that, trying to prepare for a baby coming in seven weeks or so. <laughs> uh so I would cherish and covet your prayers <laughs> for for sanity at our house. There we um, go. Because we're gonna need it for sure. So um yes. yeah, week's been fine. Um since the last time we recorded, you know, just had um, kind of regular work weeks and some uh, just been staying busy. You, you get to the end of the week and you're like, I meant to do so much more, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> but, I, but yes. I couldn't for some for whatever reason. <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but you know what? Tonight on a Monday night, let's get into our beer review um, so we can g- get the show rolling. Anthony. Yes. What you drinking?
0: Tonight, I'm going to drink a Cherry Rye Sour from Pipeworks Brewing in Chicago, Illinois. And I really don't know what to expect from this thing. It's cherry flavored. Um, the guy at the store, so I managed to make it over to my favorite um, beer store uh, over in Mobile, the Cottage Chill Package store. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Cottage Chill Package. Um they had this. The guy said, you want to try this? This is really good. You know, he was asking what I like. I was pretty much like anything but IPAs. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, try this. You might like it. I said, I like fruity things. So no description on the website from Pipeworks. No description on Untapped. Um, so I'm just going to assume this is a sour cherry rye. And, and I don't really know what to expect. I hope it's kind of fruity. The pictures show it being kind of dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like, it's like a black cherry ish kind of thing, or maybe it's real cherry, you know, real cherries are dark anyway. Yeah. Does it have
1: a ABV or anything on it? It does.
0: Yeah. So the ABV is 5.7. Okay. And the, there are no IBUs listed on the can and there was none listed on, uh, untapped. So Hmm. it's a sour. So I'm assuming it's going to be tart. Um, I'm hoping it's kind of that fruity tart, but we'll see what happens with the, uh, cherry rye. What are you going to drink tonight? So
1: tonight I am from drinking from the Locavore uh, Beer Works Company. Um, and they are based in... Uh, how Colorado. I know it's in Colorado. What's the name <laughs> of the city? Um, let me just go back a couple pages. Sorry. Uh, we have st-
0: determined that uh, Beer Drop is
1: located in Colorado. So Littleton, Colorado... Um, so, Lo- Locavore Beer Works in Littleton, Colorado. I have um, the Blackberry Betty Belgian White. Um, Belgian White uh, Ale, I guess. Um, and it is actually on their website. Let me get back up to it. Uh, here we go. Uh, t- our twist on a traditional Belgian wheat. Um, oh, wheat, not white. Why did I think that was white? Belgian wheat. Um, made with real Oregon blackberry fruit puree subtle blackberry um, aromatics Enhance, orange peel and coriander notes a slightly sweet and refreshing finish makes this our most popular introductory brew for those non-beer drinkers and a year-round flagship uh, 5.5 ABV and 20 Ibus um I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, probably pour up both of these tonight oh yeah um it's just kind of it's been that kind of a couple of days <laughs> um nothing bad just it's, it's it's time to reward myself, I think. So it's just um, a two beer night. A two beer night. So um let's get to cracking and let's get to drinking.
0: Let's do it. Here we go. I'm back to cans this week. So I'm always three... I'm forever in cans. Yes, you are. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Not a lot of smell on this one from the outside. Ooh, my lord. So, I don't know if you can see this in the camera or not. That's pretty dark. It's dark, but it's like cherry dark. It looks like cherry Coke. Mine just is, you know, there it is right
1: there. Yeah, it's regular. Yours looks like a, uh, I was about to say it looks like cherry this, Coke. Oh, man. This smells really good. Mine smells <laughs> like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Really? It's got the wheat, like bread. And mm-hmm. the fruit, like, fruity jelly smell.
0: So, that's this exciting. smells like uh, like cherry uh, lemonade is kind of what it smells like. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about this now. Stand by. The, this, the guy at the beer store may have not led me wrong on this one. He said it was going to be good.
1: I'm making sure I get a picture of the cans for of the can for Instagram because I'm going to go ahead and do this right here.
0: Yes. Oh, nice. Cracking both of them open at once. I really hope this doesn't uh,
1: let me down because now I've poured up two of them. <laughs> and you have them in your large beers and Bible mug provided by Lauren. Will this thing hold two 12 ounces? Yes, it will. Okay, I just have to wait for the foam to die down. I've never yeah. done that, obviously. So it's twenty-five um, ounces total. So okay, well that's cool. I'll wait for that to die down. So uh, let's get to drinking because uh, now I got two beers to get down. So
0: let's do it. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. I can go ahead and go. Do it because I'm gonna think about mine for a second. Okay.
1: So I am admittedly not a fan of um, Belgian wheats in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's kind of like what like Blue Moon and stuff like that is, right? Blue, Blue that's Moon's right. a Belgian. Um, they're not my favorite. Um, this one is. I, I think they're. I I think what it is is they're too pretty for me. Which mm-hmm. is funny because I like the peanut butter and jelly stuff, which is mostly bread. <laughs> um, you hypocrite, I know, right? Gosh, <laughs> I suck. Um, this one's pretty good. Um, the The fruit flavors, which maybe I'm not fam- as familiar with blackberry mm. as I should be, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure on the uh, make. You know how much how closely it matches like actual blackberry it's still pretty good um the there is, i can de- definitely say it's that orange peel flavor aromatic thing that they had that they talked about yeah um pretty easy it's very light it's pretty refreshing i mean the de- the description on their website is um pretty dead on um I'm gonna take one more sip and then I'll pinpoint the uh the rating here. The the Luther
0: rating. I am
1: I'm gonna land this one at four Luthers.
0: Four. Okay. Four.
1: four out of five. Not not terrible. Not bad. Um better I mean, than most. Better than most. Um not as good as some, but um, pretty good flavor. Uh, like I said, light, refreshing, crisp, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And uh, that I, I imagine I probably won't feel them too much, even if I'm having two of them. So yeah, like they just feel very light to me. Which you sometimes you just want like something light that
0: tastes good. That's right. So four out of five, four out of five Luthers. There you go. There's the blackberry Betty Belgian. Try to say that like five times fast. I can't say.
1: One, I spelled it wrong on our on our <laughs> notes. It's locavore, not lovacore. <laughs> locavore, locavore, <laughs> locavore. I can't. It just feels like a mistake. Okay, so what what you got? What you got from PipeWorks?
0: Okay, so um, Michael is not a fan of Belgians. I am not a huge fan of sours, but I do appreciate sours. <clears throat> um. This one is a little bit too tart for me. Um kind of on the outset, but the flavor of this thing is actually really good like the cherry flavor. I feel like if this were mixed with Sprite, mm-hmm. it might be better. Um maybe that would knock off some of the tartness mm-hmm. but still give it that that really rich tart sour flavor or feel. Um I'm I'm really because I'm not a fan of sours, I'm having a hard time going all the way to five Luthers with this thing, and it's it's a little just a little bit weak on the cherry flavor. I feel like the cherry flavor could be a little bit richer mm-hmm. on this than it, than it actually is. It's it kind of the the tartness overtakes the cherry flavor, and like when I think cherry, cherries are sweet, and that's kind of that was where I was going with this thing. I was like, the sour I can, it's going to make it tart. The cherry might make it a little bit more sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really no sweetness at all in this one. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to come in on four Luthers on this one as well because wow. it's it's good. And for a sour, I, I actually like it a little bit better than I thought. I would as a sour. Um, but it's just a little too tart for me, and the cherry flavor is a little bit too weak. So I'm going to knock it down to four Luthers. Give it four out of five. Um, I... I actually feel like you would probably give this four and a half or even five Luthers because I know how much you like sours. Probably so. And the cherry flavor is good, but it's just not, it's not, it was, it's almost like you had the peach last week mm-hmm. and the mango was just kind of overpowering the peach. Yeah. I feel like the cherry's just not quite strong enough in this thing. Yeah, I, so.
1: I, I get that. I, uh, yeah. And especially if it's not something you're like, you're not crazy about sours. Yeah, I'm not crazy about Belgians. So we're coming into when we when we get those, we're coming into it with a bit of a bias on our end anyway. So that a little obviously, bias, that's obvious, That's right. obviously going to affect how you rate stuff. But four out of five is still a great rating. Yes, it is. Um, you mentioned last week. Um, so you had the biracuda from Abita last week. Yes. Um, and last night, while we were over at my parents' house, my dad had actually bought some abita barracuda, and nice. he he offered it to me. And it was, I mean, your three and a half Luther rating from last week is probably probably spot on. Um, mm-hmm. As far did you as have a lime for it? I did not. No. Oh. Um. Yeah, we didn't didn't have the limes. So, uh, no. but yeah, I th- I felt like it was a three and a half. So it's probably the first time we've ever been able to affirm. A rating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and go this figure it's true. because it's a beta and a beta is like a nationwide brand. So um, that's right. So, yeah, there's our beer review for the week. Um, both beers, one from Pipeworks and one from Locavor, um getting four out of five Luthers from Anthony
0: and myself. And um, that's what we got there. That's right. So, tonight, uh, stick around. We're going to talk about something that is kind of, this is why we can do it without notes, Um, Michael and I are very familiar with. uh, We're going to talk about production in churches. Uh, Should you, should you not? Um, Is it good? Is it bad? We're going to have a little discussion about it tonight, and we're going to give you our perspective on where we are on that. So stick around, and we will be right back.
1: And we are back. Um, Anthony and I are finishing up our beers, and like Anthony said, um, tonight we are going to talk about production, um, specifically uh, audiovisual production, and um, its place in the modern church, and Mm -hmm. um, how to do it well, some things to avoid, and uh, how not, you know, to make sure you're not doing it not well. That's that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> I mean, there's just some things to avoid, some things to strive for, mm-hmm. and um, when when the time to reevaluate how it's being used in your church, like like when that time is, like when when you yeah. reach that point. So, um, and, and the reason for that is, uh, we have a, I mean, we have a lot of experience in uh, church production. Um, I have ten plus years, probably of church production experience mm-hmm. anthony's got i don't know how much
0: how, how long you've been doing stuff in churches um you could say in churches probably close to 15 years 16 years um as far as production in general it's definitely over 20 okay um because i've been traveling with bands and doing uh sound and and i i traveled with a christian band for five years mm-hmm. four years um before getting involved in the local church on on a production level so i mean um between the two of us if if we do like what most podcasters do we have 30 years of combined experience i hate (laughs) it when people do that though (laughs) because do it in the low voice to make you sound cool
1: yeah because like when i started (laughs) you would have already been doing like five years you've been doing it for at least five years right so yeah but yeah so we're uh that's where we're going tonight and uh Buckle up because we have no idea where we're going.
0: That's right. <laughs> um, well, all right. So let's so, do this. Let's what is church production? Like, what are we talking about when we say church production? So, to me,
1: when you say church production, the way I define it is anything that is used to bring about the message of. The gospel or during mm-hmm. worship so that's everything from screens and slides to lights to sound systems um camera guy like cameras and camera operators like mm-hmm. that to me all of that is production yes. anything that is anything that happens from the time the service begins to the time mm-hmm. a service ends anything that happens on the platform that's right that requires some element from someone not on the platform.
0: Mm-hmm. To me, that's production. Okay, that that's fair, and and I would actually go right along with you and say that you know there there are a lot of churches who take pride in being you know what they would call like no production or low production, um, and there are churches who take pride in being uh, very high production, or mm-hmm. you know they they have they invest a lot into that. And so part of our discussion tonight is because, I mean, Michael and I have been in churches and involved with churches that have been low production, that have been high production. Um, and so we've seen, between the two of us, we've really seen a lot of different uh, vantage points, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. from from a production viewpoint. Um, you know, I've served in churches that would be defined as like conservative, you know, they don't. They wouldn't call themselves high production, but the more that I was involved, the more I realized, you know, this is very, very high production. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they had uh, an order of service. They followed that order of service. They had certain things that happened at certain moments, and and everything yeah. was set on cues. And so, you know, don't think of production as just a light show and a smoke show, and you know, it feels like a concert. It's not. That's not what really defines production. Yeah. It's it's not something that's unique to mega to a mega church. It's not. And, it's not. And,
1: and to me, in mm-hmm. my experience, so I was I've only been on staff at one church, and it would I mean you could define it as a mega church. Um, it's a very mm-hmm. large church, um, but even within that church, you had ministries that would be considered lower production because mm-hmm. they did they weren't in mm-hmm. the main worship center, so they don't have that's cameras right. and they don't have all the lights and they don't have the they don't have the same I don't want to say resources because it's all, it's all, all the resources for the church are the same, but they don't have the same equipment. I guess yeah. I would, that's the way to put it. Um, different rooms require different, have different needs. Um, mm-hmm. different ministries have different needs too. So, um, when we use the word production, you're right. We do have to be careful to not just, say, not just say like, oh, it's only cameras, lights, smoke, yeah. fireworks, whatever. <laughs> like, um, but, but it's anything that has to do with the service, yeah, whatever that service may be, if it's a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever,
0: yeah, regardless of if you go to um Third Baptist Church of backwoods county that that has a piano player, an organ player, and they sing three songs and do a sermon, or you visit or you attend. Mega church of metropolis city and they have lights smoke uh everything that you could imagine laser beams um dark you know pick it and name it they have it it doesn't matter if you attend either one of those churches you are doing some type of production because you're talking about a service you're planning a service mm-hmm. you're executing that service yeah and and then you know you you go back and you grade yourself at the end of it, you know? Yep. And, and that's the thing that I can say, you know, I've been involved with medium-sized churches, large churches, even small churches, you know, the, the church that I really started at was a church plant. And we had zero lights as far as, you know, a light show would be. We had like some stage lights and it was some stuff that some guy off the street let us borrow. And, you know, we hooked them up to a plug and like, have you have you ever seen the TikTok where the guys like plugging in different lights and it is changing mm-hmm. I don't know that that's what it felt like sometimes like that that's what our our lighting felt like sometimes but you know that's what it was like we plugged in lights and that was what lit up the stage and and that was just what it was Yeah um and then I've been in churches where we had hundreds of thousands of dollars of lighting equipment actual lights smart lights you know stage lights and Spend we could do hours whatever we hours programming lights
1: yes. and doing all that stuff um <laughs> so yeah so, i mean there, there's a wide gamut there right there's a there's yeah. a very wide range between middle of nowhere church and mega church with the resources to do the mm-hmm. big shows or whatever um but just be – i mean one's not better than the other that's right and at the end of the day the church will grade itself. The small church will grade itself on how it's service goes and
0: the big church will do the same thing. Yeah. I I think it's important when you're talking about production to grade yourself, look at your, your church on what God has provided for you. Mm -hmm. You know, don't compare yourself. If you're in a small church, don't compare yourself to a mega church. Um, You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, I currently serve at a at a small to medium sized church. Um, I run sound for my church maybe once every three weeks. We have a few volunteers that that do it as well, but I literally run sound from an iPad, and, right. and 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 you know I do I do my very best with what we have. Our church has been blessed, and and we do a lot of really good things, and I'm proud to be a part of my church. I've been in churches that have. Fifty and hundred thousand dollar soundboards, and I've run sound on fifty and hundred thousand dollar soundboards, and I can say that I feel exactly the same in both of those situations. And so, you know, I say that to say, don't compare yourself to another church and say, "Oh, if we only had their thing." This is not keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. When when we're talking production, the one of the things that I think leads gives a bad taste in in some people's mouths is they say oh, that church has so much more resources, they can do so much more, and they can create an atmosphere or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can do whatever you need to with what God has provided for you. And if you think that a piece of equipment or um, a certain type of light or uh, a smoke machine, a fog machine, whatever you want to call it, if you think that is going to be what solves your problems, then then you're looking at production from the wrong perspective. Yeah,
1: yeah. At the end of the day, production needs to be about doing the doing the absolute best with what mm-hmm. God has given you, and what God has provided your church, and being okay with whatever the best is. Like yes, like executing the best you can. But if you have an analog console and no wireless mics, that's the best. That that's what God yeah. has provided your church. In some churches, that's perfectly fine, and that's exactly what they need. And other yeah. churches have been blessed with the resources to do big productions with mm-hmm. lights and haze, and no one had, no one's plugged into a, no one's like locked into a spot because they can all do wireless, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very. I think probably the reason for that is because the American church specifically. I yeah. I, I would have to say I. I'm almost 100% sure it's a unique to America thing, with the exception of like Hillsong in Australia. Yeah. But they've roman- we've romanticized the, the mega church because, mm-hmm. like you said, they're able to create these experiences or manufacture these experiences with the resources they have. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's what they're doing. They're not doing it intentionally, I don't think. Maybe sometimes they are, but I don't think that's like they're. I don't think they're trying to sit there and be like, oh, how do we manufacture this right. feeling or how do we do this? Um, now, I do think having been now, – now, on the flip side of that, having been on a staff at a large church, on the production staff, I would say that sometimes your goal is to you know, create this Ebenezer moment, right? This thing that you mm-hmm. can look back on and say, that was a really great, cool moment that we made happen because of yeah. the resources we have. Yeah. Um and, and there's a couple of things that come like immediately to my mind where I think like that was a really cool thing that mm-hmm. we poured a lot of time and effort and energy into making excellent mm-hmm. and it was excellent. Yeah. But it's because it was but it was because of the resources God had blessed us with. It had nothing yeah. to do with us. It had nothing to do with Anthony or myself. Mm-hmm. It's just we had the resources and we had the idea we put the idea into practice and action and then had really cool moments
0: yeah yeah you know there is there's this idea that like creating a moment or creating an emotional thing is bad yeah i'm not well i'm a i'm i'm kind of on the fence about emotionalism and, and i and i really struggle with it mm-hmm. i don't think it's necessarily and fundamentally bad to have an emotional experience, and if you can create a moment, if you can do something that says, "I'm going to use the talent that God has given me," because here's the thing: God has given people the talent to do things like graphic arts mm-hmm. and, um, you know, lighting production, lighting control. You know, he's he's gifted people in certain areas, and if they use that talent to encourage and equip and build the local body. Mm-hmm. Then then who are you to say that they're misusing that talent because you don't like the product of their art? Yeah.
1: I mean it's it's really kind of the same conversation we we're just having in um that Paul was talking about in Philippians, right? If they're preaching yeah. the gospel and they if they're doing it from a with the wrong motives, what's they're the, still preaching they're Christ. Preaching, they're still preaching Christ. So like <laughs> Even if the guy is using his talents and abilities to create this really cool, this really killer, alert, killer show, or to to do these really cool things, like even if he's using those things to puff himself up, if it's opening the door for someone to hear the gospel, who wouldn't have normally heard the gospel without, mm-hmm. you don't know if like there may be a lighting guy who's there to see the lighting show who's never, who's never heard the gospel or yeah. or is about to hear the gospel for the in a new way for the first time. So who are we to say, Oh, well you need to, t- you need to tone it down a little bit because we don't like it.
0: Yeah. Or exactly. I don't like it
1: or, or, you know, can we turn the haze off because it's making us all choke? That's the word that like <laughs> I had, I, I, I didn't, <laughs> but I, about like somebody mentioned to me at church on Sunday. I was like, the haze does not bother me. Mm hmm. And it's kind of the point, like haze is not supposed like haze is, like there's, in 2022, the material, the product used, I, I'm going to go off on a haze tangent, sorry. Do it, so do it. In 2022, the liquid that they use in, in haze and fog machines is very unlikely to cause you any kind of physical harm. It's all a mental game.
0: There is a zero point zero six chance, I think, is the statistic that I read, um, and and he, so, here's so a little example. So you're more likely to die from COVID. Is that what you're Probably, probably. Um, so the the what they use to basically make it be still, and which is what haze is. Okay, so haze is basically fog, like mm-hmm. on a Sunday on a, on a morning when you get up and there's fog in the air okay that's that's essentially what haze is but it has one chemical that's added to it to basically make it be still yeah and um, that chemical is so minute in that that mixture of water which is what i mean that's mm-hmm. basically what haze machines are it's water yeah. um and this chemical that i I want to say it's either 0.6 or 0.06 percent of people are allergic and that's in the world 0. 0.6 or at the very most we'll go with the very most 0.6% of people are allergic to this this thing now does that mean that you could be one of those 0. 0.6 people yes it's entirely possible you could be one of those 0. 0.6 people and if you are i'm very sorry for saying what i'm about to say but 99.4% of people are not affected by it and so you can't let 0.6 people dictate w- what you decide to do. You know, if if 0.6% of the population was you know, had a, had an issue with dark rooms, let's pick something crazy, had an issue with dark rooms. You know, you would figure out something to do with those 0.6% of the people. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't change everything you do because of 0.6% of the people. Right. And so it's kind is it's just like you were saying, it's kind of a Uh, malarkey type of excuse. Oh, it's making me choke. It's making me do this. No, it's not. That's all in your head. Yeah. Because you are 99.4% of people.
1: I I firmly believe that most of... And I'm not saying like every single person that complains about Haze isn't having some sort of like physical reaction to it. But yeah, I firmly believe most of them it's a mental thing. It's a mental game.
0: I'll say this. I have had friends that have severe asthma Carry inhalers, all of that, that do not have an issue being around mm-hmm. generated haze.
1: Yeah. Ugh. So so anyway, sorry, haze tangent over. Let's get back to production. <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about like people using their talents, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to touch base on this um, because I've seen, um, I've seen both sides, both sides of what I'm about to describe. I've seen. People who were incredibly talented Mm -hmm. and knew they were incredibly talented and wanted to be the guy running Mm -hmm. whatever it was, if it was graphics or video switcher or sound or lights, like wanted to be the guy all the time running camera, whatever it was. And then I've also seen people who are maybe not as talented, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to serve and they didn't really Mm -hmm. care what role they were in. Um so let's talk about that a little bit. Like, how do you balance like pursuing excellence, pursuing a great production? If you're gonna, mm-hmm. if you're in a position to do that, how do we balance pursuing excellence with making sure you have the right people serving because they want to serve and not just because they're good at what they do? Right.
0: So I, I'm going to draw for me, and now this is for me personally. I'm going to draw a very clear line in the sand. I will always choose people over excellence, and and let me define excellence. What I mean right here, um, it being meticulously perfect, defining it as it has to be exactly right or it's a failure. Mm-hmm. That that is what I'm using as a definition of excellence in this in this situation. Yeah, I will always choose people, even though I know that people are going to mess up and they're going to fail. And they're going to do something wrong. They're going to miss a cue. I will always choose people because ultimately the church is about people. Yeah. And if you're not about people in in a production world, then you're going to be miserable because you're going to limit yourself down to the, to the type of people that will serve with you. Yeah. And so... You know, while I want to do things excellently and I want to be right and I'm gonna train people and I'm gonna teach people and I'm gonna use every opportunity I can to invest into people. Um, at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, I'm not as upset mm-hmm. as, you know, if if I were if I were running a rock star show in an arena, I would have a different perspective. But I'm not running a rock star show in an arena. Right. I'm running something that I want people to feel invested into and I want to teach them a skill, something Mm -hmm. that they could use in their life somewhere else, whether it's operating a camera or how to, you know, put slides on a screen, whatever it is, I have the opportunity. God has given me the opportunity to teach somebody something. And so I'm going to take advantage of that. And so I will always put people first.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I feel like we oftentimes, and maybe it was because – maybe it's because I was on staff and you were on staff. So like we intimately knew the details of every single yeah. service. So mm-hmm. we were the ones communicating like, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. It's subject to change at any moment. Cause that's how the <laughs> church world works. But you know, we're the ones communicating that. Um, and if anything goes wrong or anything doesn't go as planned, I hate using as goes wrong because you're talking about a church service. You're not talking about right. like you were saying, like, a meticulously planned rocks show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anything doesn't go as planned, like that would be more of a opportunity for the staff to say, well, maybe, maybe I didn't prepare them as well. Maybe that's, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a defect on my part. That's not a defect on the volunteers part.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Because at the end of the day, that's what a volunteer's there to do. A volunteer's there to serve their, you know, serve their time and, you know, sacrifice their time for the body for mm-hmm. the body of Christ you know they don't have to show up to run a camera they don't have to show up to run slides they don't have to no. do those things they they want to do those things and we were very fortunate and had great team members
0: mm-hmm.
1: that served with us as volunteers and, and staff so you know having people that wanted to be there was a, was vital um, yeah but any anytime something didn't go as planned that showed more of a that that was a failure on our part to yeah set the expectation for them not mm-hmm. a failure on their part to carry out to execute the plan
0: that's right yeah it's you know something something that a lot of churches kind of catch flack for is when you're when your production value is so high that you have to have a lot of people involved okay mm-hmm. um I'll give an example from where Michael and I served together. you know it took i think I think it took something like eighteen people somewhere between fifteen and eighteen people to make a Sunday morning happen now that was kind of that was a combination of there was a couple of staff members stuck in there um you know there were a couple of areas where we had dedicated staff members, but yeah it was anywhere by from, and large it took about eighteen people
1: is anywhere from twelve to fifteen people. Sometimes
0: more if we had people rotating in and out. That's right. And so when when you talk about that and then we're doing two services a day, either it takes double that amount or we have to ask those people to serve for the full day, which when you get into rehearsal time, both services, I mean, you're talking four to five hours. And on top
1: of Wednesday night rehearsal, on top of (laughs) if there's any other, you know, pop up rehearsals or whatever. Yeah. Um it's a, I mean it's a, it's a huge commitment for a volunteer to
0: to ask a volunteer to make. Exactly. It's a huge commitment for a volunteer. And so something that Michael and I did was we really only asked and we tried to limit ourselves to asking people to serve one time a month. Mm-hmm. So, let's go 12 people a month times 4 weeks in a month. That means we needed a minimum of 48 volunteers that was a bare minimum of 48 volunteers. And, and so then you talk about, well, you got five Sunday months, you've got, you know, this and that, and, and people can't come on this time. And so you really need, uh, you know, you need some backups and all this kind of stuff. What if somebody's sick one week, what do you do? Um, and so, I mean, we had, we had worked hard and we had built a team together of between 65 and 70 people. And so, You talk about that. That's a really big team. It is a really big team. But the goal of that having a team so large was so that we didn't expect people to be there week in and week out doing the things that Michael and I were doing because we were paid by the staff. Yeah. You know, we were paid staff members. So we're expected to be there week in and week out. Our paycheck depended on it. But I'm not going to expect from a volunteer the same level of commitment that I as a staff member am putting forward. Yeah,
1: and really, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, like, there's they're not being paid to be there, right? They're volunteers. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, they're getting paid with a breakfast biscuit on Sunday morning, <laughs> right?
0: Or we, would which get sometimes the, was good and sometimes wasn't. Yeah, I mean, those were hit or <laughs> miss.
1: Or you know, we got to the point where uh, we could get them a, a coffee drink. The other thing was that by Keeping them by keeping our volunteers from serving weekend, week out, month after month for for however long we were going to be going, that prevented burnout.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: that absolutely delayed burnout ex- and until you know, unless people were like, "No, I want to serve every hour, every week for for all time." <laughs> um, which we still discourage. Like we we're still like, "Yeah, we we won't mm-hmm. schedule you if you show up. That's on you." But we're you know so we were very and I think it was because of our own experience we were very aware and in touch with the possibility of volunteer burnout Yeah, we didn't want it to happen to our team yeah um, we cared deeply about our team we were proud of our team we um, we loved watching them grow and, and become um, very apt at what they were doing um, very able and uh, there were a lot of guys and girls that we didn't have to tell any, you know, didn't have to tell them how to do anything. They knew exactly where we were going. They knew exactly. Yeah. They knew they had the whole plan. Um, there were some you have to hold your, you have to hold hands a little bit sometimes yeah. when you have, you know, <laughs> high schoolers serving on your cameras or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but our we had we had great volunteers and and we cared very deeply about them. That's why we, um. That's why we adopted the single Sunday model, yeah. Um, because we did we didn't want them to get burnt out, and we didn't want mm-hmm. them to 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 get to a point where they had to come to us and say we, they needed to take a break.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the other things that I that I really appreciated about the team that you and I built together was we we put a I, I think it might have been possibly by accident, but we put a had a focus on families um Mm -hmm. you know we we intentionally kind of targeted middle schoolers and high schoolers and and kind of by default because of that what we ended up with is like uh these family teams that would serve together because a parent would have to bring their child and they're like well if i'm coming i might as well serve with them yeah and so we ended up with these like you know father-son teams and and duos that would serve in and either on our camera crew or on our on our um, graphics crew you know doing the the slides Mm -hmm. on the stage and that kind of stuff and so what it really led to was this camaraderie between the team because you had I mean it was it was a family atmosphere yeah um and like I said that that really that really wasn't something that we intended to do but it was kind of a byproduct of, of a focus that we put on there yeah and so you know you can use something like production as a way to get families involved families together yeah um and and i you know if that's not a positive thing in the church then then i really like i don't know what is yeah if 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 you can get families serving
1: together in the same ministry for with the mm-hmm. same goal like all together at the same time that's a huge deal i mean how yeah. difficult is it to get a single person to serve in the nursery how yeah. difficult is it to get somebody to teach Sunday school, you know? But when you look at the production ministry, it's really an opportunity to say, hey, we have this equipment, we we need people, we need volunteers to mm-hmm. run it, to be a part of the Sunday morning experience. And we'll we'll teach, that's something else Anthony and I did, and we had other members of the team do this too. We taught them everything they needed to know. Yeah. We, we would take people completely green that had no knowledge of what a camera even was like like we would we would take those people <laughs> and train them you know here's what you do here's where you sit here's what the buttons do you don't touch these buttons you touch these buttons like <laughs> like don't jerk don't jerk it off the stand like like we had we had people who had no idea what they were doing coming in and were mm-hmm. great volunteers because yeah. they were willing to learn and we were willing to teach that's um, right but like you said the production ministry is really an opportunity to get people serving who would probably not serve anywhere else they probably yeah. i mean they may not serve in their nursery because they don't want to watch kids or they may not serve in the coffee shop because they don't know how to make coffee or they don't want they don't feel like they can teach because they don't have the knowledge that they think they need mm-hmm. um but hey i can i can operate a camera i played i played atari back in the day i know i know how that works you know i can i've run powerpoint i can do slides like yeah, like productions. That's the thing about production. Like I'm not trying to like dumb it down or anything, but it's not hard. No, <laughs> like per, like doing production well is not hard. And and when you and especially when you had a, a team as big as we had, you know, we had 12 mm-hmm. to 15 people on a given Sunday. Getting everyone to work in in unity together. That was hard. Yeah. Making sure everyone was on the same page was hard. But the individual roles weren't that difficult. And yeah. when everyone was working together, when the slides were on time and the camera cues were on time and the camera guys knew where the camera guy, where the camera caller was going and the video switcher, like when everything was working together, mm-hmm. it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it was, and that's the other thing. That's the, this, this may be the biggest thing. You can do production well without being a distraction. Yes. And when everyone's on the same page, when everyone's doing their job and doing it well, you're not a distraction to what's going on in the room. That's right. You're out of the way of Jesus being the central focus point of what's going Mm -hmm. on. When you got a camera guy who's running around on stage or not listening to the cues and doesn't realize he's live on the, on the screen. He's (laughs) moving to the next thing really fast without knowing what's going on. We may or may not have had that problem. (laughs) That's a distraction. And and that's like, well now we've robbed this moment that this, this special moment um, when the slides aren't on time. Yeah. You don't, I mean, if it, especially if it's a new song or something or you're reading scripture, that is such a distraction if the slides are two seconds late. Yeah. <laughs> so when everything's working together, you're not a distraction to what's happening in the room. Um and so yeah. I, I mean production there there's a there's a very fine line though between doing it well and being a distraction, either mm-hmm. way, like yeah. being too much or not enough.
0: And well, so I I would say this. Don't be afraid to do something, to try something because you think you're going to be a distraction or you think you're going to be overproduced Mm -hmm. or something like that. Don't be afraid. Yeah. But also be afraid, you know, a a healthy level of fear can keep you, can keep you in check and it can say, am I taking this too far? Am I, am I crossing the line? You know, what's the purpose of what I'm doing here? Yeah. Um, you know, you can do certain things. You can have certain elements in a service that are good, and they could be produced elements, you know. Mm-hmm. Think about a special song or, you know, when somebody gets up and sings a solo. Those are, whether you like it or not, even even if you don't have high production church, that is still a produced moment. Mm-hmm. You know, the person singing the solo had to to practice. They had to learn all the lyrics. They had to sing, you know, they have to sing the song. There's special music that goes along to and and so at every level, it is a produced moment. And yeah. a produced moment is not necessarily bad, and it can bring glory to God. Yeah. But you have to focus on why are we trying to produce this moment? What is the purpose of producing this moment? And is this moment being produced going to bring glory to God? How can we bring glory to God in this produced moment? Yeah. And. If you can keep that kind of mindset and that kind of mentality going into production, I think you can you can get a, a very safe balance. It doesn't mean you're gonna get it right every time. Um, but it does mean you'll get it right most of the time. Yeah. And and I mean that's what we do as a church. We just try to get it right most of the time. Yeah. So there you go. That's how I feel about production.
1: Yeah. I agree with you, though, like you're you don't want it to be overproduced. You don't want it to be underproduced, but mm-hmm. you can't be afraid to try stuff. I, I think of things that we tried that we only did you know once or twice. Yeah. Um, but I'd look back at those like I talked about before, like I look back at those as moments that I think had special meaning to the church. Mm-hmm. I think i I truly believe those moments had, you know are are memorable to somebody yeah in, in that church um and so knowing that you know you, you pinpoint you pinpoint specific moments with with uh memories right and so mm-hmm. knowing that like somebody thinks about these these things that we managed to create in the production side yeah. of things um they look back fondly on those those moments as well wow, that was a moment where god showed up or that was a moment like i remember the feeling I had when mm-hmm. when this happened in the room, um, yeah, knowing that you and I had a part in that, that's really humbling and that's really you know, I'm very proud and honored to have been a part of that, yeah. Um, and so you know, not to, that's not to say that that's what you should strive for with every single service. You shouldn't strive to make a moment like that every single every time yeah. out. But when there's a special thing going on or where there's Something unique that's never been never happened before in the life of your church. Go for it. Yeah. Put in the work. See if see if it works. And if it does, awesome. That's gonna be that's gonna be a moment somebody somewhere in your in the room remembers.
0: Yeah, inevitably. And so to, to tag on to that though, when you when you hit that moment when you get it right that time, don't think that that's your formula for getting it right. Right, You know, appreciate that moment and appreciate the time you got it right, but but don't try to replicate or duplicate that. Yeah. Look at the next moment. Look at the next time you have something to create and, and be creative about that specific one, you know. Right. Look at what you're trying to do differently. You can learn from it and you can grow from it, but don't try to just do it over and over again because when you do that, people are going to see right through it. They're going to yeah. see, oh, he's just trying to do that again. Yeah
1: your ebenezer moments and for if you don't know like looking back on an ebenezer like that's a that's like a marker like like, mm-hmm. a, like a mile marker in your in your walk with, with Christ right so you look back on an ebenezer it's an old it's an old testament thing is that right like yeah. looking back on the ebenezer sorry i'm not like the scholar but i was pretty <laughs> sure on that so like when you look back on these ebenezer moments like or if you're trying to create one they should they shouldn't happen all the time when they happen, they should be unique. That's right. And so they shouldn't be, you know, oh, we did it with this song this one time two years ago. Let's do it again the same yeah. way, <laughs> like with the same song. That's, that's never going to work because yeah. people who were in the room the first time would be like, oh, well, here's where this happens. And, it's, it, is, and it robs it. Yeah. Um, and you don't need something every single service. You, you don't need a big, sometimes you just need the worship to be the worship and the preaching yeah. to be the preaching. Like sometimes that's, that's right. all you need. Um. But other times, if it's a song that's really hitting home in your in your congregation, you need to do something. Or if it's, um, you know, there's a it's a big moment in the life of your church, something you 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 may feel like there needs to be something done. Um, yeah. And those things are fine, and 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 for sure, if you're a member of the production team, you don't go rogue and just do it for the sake of doing <laughs> it. You know, those moments that Anthony and I created, we poured in a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. Ran through it with our, you know, with the guy in charge of, you know, who had the final say on all of it. And when we would, when we went through it, the, the one I'm thinking about very specifically, and I'm sure Anthony is thinking about the same one. Yeah. Um, we, we probably poured like ten plus hours into it over the course into just this moment. Yeah, which was like it was about a five second moment. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was. It was not very long at all. But we poured so much time combined into this moment. And when we went to the final, you know, final walkthrough, final dress rehearsal, whatever you want to call it, like we, we fully knew there was a chance it was going to get shot down mm-hmm. and you have to be okay with that. If you're, if yeah. you're going to put yourself out there and, and do this big thing or want to do this big thing, you've got to be okay with some, somebody who can make that decision saying, no, we, we don't want to do that. Yeah. And Okay we don't have to do this. I've poured a a lot of my time this week into it, but that's okay. Uh, Fortunately for, for that specific moment that didn't happen. And and like I've, like I've said, you know, the church has this really cool special moment to look back on. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, But that's the other thing you can, you can pour all, all your time and effort into a moment and your boss or whoever say, Nope. Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. So, Yeah. That that is the danger of production, I think, is that you're trying to you're trying to manufacture a moment and the people and you spend a lot of time on it and people are like, (laughs) No, don't do it.
0: Yeah. So Which I mean that and that that's what I think I would I would close the discussion with is don't hang your hat on what you do. Don't hang your hat on creating a moment and then have it get shot down and you feel like you're a miserable failure. Yeah. Um, you know know that your worth and your value come from who you are in christ yep and nothing past that not what yeah. you create not what art you do not what you make not what you can accomplish mm-hmm. everything is found in christ and yeah. and so you know when you have that perspective going into a production mindset it really changes because you i mean you could put all of the time into it like like you said you know we put a lot of time into that and if it would have got shot down I'll be honest i probably would have felt really bad mm-hmm. you know but at the end of the day that moment getting shot down is not the end of of me and it's not the end of who i am and it's not yeah. it doesn't dictate who i am right you know christ dictates who i am and so yeah. you know go back to our study on philippians find your contentment in christ find who you are your value your worth is grounded and founded in christ and yeah. nothing else Mm-hmm and past that just you know where it is where it lands it will land and do your very best and try everything you can to give glory and honor to God yep so that's how Michael and I feel about production yeah I don't I don't know who that really was for I don't know if there's any production people that listen to our podcast maybe it was for us maybe it was for just the two of us that's who knows who knows Yep. So, well, I'll tell you what. Let me pray for us tonight, and uh, and we'll wrap up this discussion, and we'll be on our way. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for uh, just the time you've given a couple of guys to come and sit down and talk about um, our experiences. Uh, you know, it's it's fun to to think about the things that we've accomplished and the things that we were able to do. And we recognize and we honor that all of those things were done uh, because of your sovereign hand, because of your uh, uh, willingness to allow us to do uh, those things. And so we recognize that and we honor that. And God, I pray that you would take this discussion and you would apply it, apply it to people's lives, apply it to whoever needs to hear it. And you would honor yourself in this and that our discussion would be honorable to you, God. And we pray that. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to find us on social media platforms, what would they do to do that?
1: You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beersandbiblep1. You can find us on Facebook by searching "Beers and Bible Podcast," and then you can also email us at. Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we would love to uh, interact with you guys. Um, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in messages and stuff the last couple of weeks, which has been really yeah, you encouraging. Guys so, it's kind of fun. <laughs> so we, we enjoy those. Keep those coming. Um, any beer reviews or any questions that you have about anything we've discussed on the podcast or um, anything we haven't discussed, if you want us to to talk about that too, we can do that. Uh, But we'd love to hear from you guys, and uh, we look forward to
0: um, what's coming in the next few weeks. It'll be fun. But until then, we hope that your Bible stays open. No, I did that backwards. We hope your beer stays cold Mm -hmm. and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.